listening to Novum, and I'm Ari Brin. This is a podcast about science fiction, but we're going to do something a little bit different this week. I have on David Robertson as my co-host for the evening, and David Robertson is a local comics creator in Dundee, which, if you don't know, that's where we are right now. And he has his own comics publishing company called Fred Egg Comics, and uh, he's published uh, three books uh, there's three in print just now. Okay. But um, there have been more. Okay, so there's th- there's three in print right now, and um, those are Dump, Berserkatron, and Zero Sum Bubblegum. And it's a very interesting collection of comics that I'm excited to talk about. And uh, he also runs an online comic called Bell Time. It's about a man waking up in his older body. And is that correct? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's something. It's, it's something. what I do every day. Wake yeah. up in my older body. <laughs> so he has this uh, several online comics. Another one for Dundee, Dundee's comics creative space. And if you don't know, Dundee is quite a, a hub for comics. And there is a huge comic industry and and community yeah, here. Yeah, there, there's a real growing scene um, yeah. with the comics course as well. And right. um, Treehouse Comics, which is a collective that puts out an anthology every few months. And so I'm involved with that as well. So yeah, it's a real good place to do comics. Yeah. yeah, you're pretty much, you're very involved in this comics community. As much as I can be, yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get in every nook and cranny. Yes, I see. You also mm. have a, a podcast on comics called That Comic Smell. That's right. Yeah, with, <laughs> my, uh, with some of my friends, we discuss comics we've been reading and uh, we usually got a different topic each time. So it's like a, co- a comic book club. Yes, it is. Yeah, um, yeah. They're not they're not creators as such. They're they just enjoy reading them, and, and so we sit and discuss them. And uh, yeah, it's real good, and it smells good as well. <laughs> yeah, I I like that that comic smell. Well, mm. I definitely enjoy what you've produced, and uh, I I think this this show is a pretty good fit for you because you have a lot of science fiction elements in your comics that are are used in in very different ways. And uh, you, you use a lot of, of time travel and uh, robot warfare. Those are two definite main themes I saw in here. So let's, let's start with, with time travel, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'd love to. So along with your online comic, Bell Time, you mm-hmm. also have a comic that I was a big fan of. I think it's in Dump, your collection Dump. Mm-hmm. David Robertson's Dump. David Robertson's dump, excuse me, and it is called Room Tour. And I'll tell you why this comic really appealed to me. It's because I, I love watching these kinds of videos online. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of, of um, people's collections of mm-hmm. things, watching makeup collections or, or, or their, my dorm tour. 
and they always have these incredible yeah incredible spaces so you were inspired by well, that that's thing. what yeah that's what gave me the idea of watching discovering these kind of videos a couple of years ago with people showing you all their different items they had and I just thought they were so interesting so I thought I would do one about something I'm not interested in at all which is collecting coffee makers <laughs> it seems like it'd be quite an expensive habit yeah yeah, yeah. so she has this this amazing coffee maker the, the gold 3000 insta coffee granulator nimbus mm. I love that name <laughs> and she, she's running out of of coffee makers to show she's always known this moment would come where she runs out of coffee oh, makers yes. That's right. She's, sho <laughs> she's shown everyone on the videos all her collection. And now she's coming to the point where is she going to share her... Uh, <laughs> is, she, is she going to share her, her, uh, her new invention with, with the viewers? Right. And so what happens is she travels back, back in time. To, yes. to steal the coffee maker from her youth, which is this amazing vintage. Because she remembers it so fondly. She does. Yes. And she also remembers that. She remembers the. I, I love aroma. This, this quote to kind of um, mm -hmm. a breadcrumb for what is to come. Um, she, she's remembering the coffee maker from her youth and that one day it just it went missing. Like she <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. And she never. She never was able to get over the smell of it, and she always missed it. Yes, right. So, mm -hmm. so it's it's quite a quite a powerful little story. But I just love that aspect of the the coffee mm -hmm. maker going missing. But I guess yes. that's necessary. How how else would you explain it? Well, you, you you later find out how it went missing. Right. It it was her. Right. Yes. She goes back in time and steals it. <laughs> right. So it's 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 a very um, you know minor time travel loop that, that plays mm -hmm. around with some you know some issues of, of time travel. Yeah. But I found this story very interesting because it, it reminds me of um, kind of some issues that I have with time travel it, um, in various mediums, mm -hmm. such as there are some time travel scenarios where somebody will travel forward in time or back in time and they will occupy the body of themselves right at that time. Yeah. And there are other ones, and it's like split 50-50, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. Maybe somebody has done a study where sometimes you travel backwards or forwards and and you see your younger self. You have to sneak around avoiding the other version of exactly. yourself. Exactly. Yes. Or sometimes you just straight up, you know, say, mm. hey, what's up? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I see that you've, you've done both, which, mm -hmm. you know, why, why just do one? Why stick to one? When... Yeah. I, I certainly remember having the idea for this and sitting and thinking before I draw any of this or write it, I'm going to have to <laughs> write everything down that's going to happen right? and make sure it's all in place and makes sense. Yeah. And I had to do that before I started writing it. Well, it, time travel narratives are really tricky. Yeah, I think I recently talked about this in my, um, my When the Sleeper Wakes episode. Mm -hmm. You know, since that episode, I was I was kind of frustrated. Like I hadn't touched on all the elements of time travel that I that I could touch on, uh -huh. such as in B Back to the Future. Yeah. Okay, what was my big issue with this? Hold on, I have to think of it. J just the one, just the one issue, was it? Oh, yeah. there are so many. Yeah. I don't even know if I should get into it. But why not? Let's go. Okay. 
let's talk about this. And I, I haven't watched this in a while, but you know, we, they had the sort of um, celebration of Back to the Future not so long ago. That's right. Yeah, because we reached the future that he we reached went the to future. and went past it. Yeah. We have. So um, we've survived. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking about, so, so there's several time travel things that they play with, such as that um, he goes back to the back to the past. Yes. So he goes to the past before he goes back to the future. Yes. And and he basically messes with the time uh, aspect in a way where he's not going to be born, right? Uh-huh, that's his right. his mom is like... His mom falls in love with him instead that's of right. his father, yes. My goodness, what what a story. What a great um, And he begins to to disappear. Yes, on the, yes, on the, on the photo as well. Um, yes. His, his sister and brother are disappearing. Right. Yes. And th- this 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 yes. disappearing act happens in a lot of movies, um, uh, such as I just watched a Shrek Forever After. This is the the forgotten one, forgotten sh- fourth Shrek movie, mm. and Shrek has also messed with the time in such a way where he doesn't exist anymore, and so he also begins to kind of dematerialize. Oh, okay. And you know, I have an issue with Back to the Future. Oh, please, because I was and actually just thinking of another not one. Actually a time travel element but okay. it's something that I've always noticed and but I've never heard it mentioned now remember the band's playing on the stage towards oh. the end and it's yeah. Earth Angel and all that okay you and, might actually have ding, have the same one that I have now right okay maybe he's his hand is, starts disappearing. Mm, okay. And as he's and I can still hear it drang drang he's messing up all the chords mm-hmm. as they're doing the song uh, and will will he be saved and all this is happening and then, yes, now what is it? Uh, the bad guy gets punched or something, yeah. right? So that's it, yes. And the future is secured now. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. he does exist, and he stands up, and he does, like, the last bit of the song, great. Yeah, right. And then, this is the bit that always gets me, oh. the leader of the band turns and says, hey, man, that was great, do you want to do another song? And I thought, were well, you not listening? All the way through that, he was giving it, ding, dong, ding, and he was falling over. He was terrible. They shouldn't have wanted to play another song with him. He was awful. You know that that is quite, quite the issue. I I forgot about that one, but yeah. that would that would absolutely infuriate me because it's it's just like there are two different worlds existing in this, in this film. Do you know it's such a good film, though, isn't it? It is, and you know what my, my issue is, and I, I again I haven't seen this in a while, but I know that at, at, during the film he starts playing um, a song, and it's a classic rock song. Do you yeah. do you remember what the song is? Yeah, Johnny Be Good. That's right. Yes. And then there's a guy in the background that that kind of phones him up or phones up his agent. Mm-hmm. People are gonna excoriate me online for not knowing the the details. That's right. It was it was Chuck Berry's. He was phoning his his cousin, I think. Yeah. Or his brother Chuck. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And he was called Marvin Berry, I think. Yeah. So he phones he phones this guy up and he's like, "You gotta hear this." And then he he kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, sh- shows him the song. So, okay. so, 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 who wrote this song? Ah, Where did I see it, who wrote the song. Where did it come from? Marty McFly wrote the song. Oh my Michael God. J. Fox. I mean, that's the that's the only explanation, right? Do you know if the if they made Back to the Future now, Marty McFly would go back in time thirty years to the eighties and probably teach Chuck D how to rap. That's show true. Public Enemy how to do it. That's 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 very true. It's a sobering thought. It is, yeah. 
gee, I mean, who knows how much time travelers have messed with our past. But that's what they say that there will never be time travel because mm. we haven't been visited. Yes. By time travelers. Mm-hmm. And and do you do you believe that? Well, I think as soon as as soon as time travel as soon as they make a machine or a way of doing it then it exists Mm -hmm. and all of time as we currently understand it as being a linear thing one Mm -hmm. two three four and we're stuck on each number going down the years breaks down because as soon as you decide to go from 2016 to say 1934 you land in 1934 you're not in the past 1934 Mm -hmm. is now yeah and so anywhere you plan to go is now and so all of time has just collapsed into a mass of do whatever you like. So really, if time travel exists, that should ha- be happening. Yeah. No. Unless you get into all that. The par- parallel world. Yeah, where every time you do it, it splits off and it's a separate, you know, universe or what have you. Could yeah. be that. I, what do you think? I don't know. I guess the more I think about it, the less I think it's... It's possible. I think it's it's part of our human psychology mm. that we think of time as a place. Yes, that's right. And it's not, is it? It's not. And, and that, you know, reminds me of something that my my favorite part in all of your comic works was um, mm. silently falling, I have oh, to say. Thanks. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, that that was that was my favorite one. And it's um, would you like to describe <coughs> the beginning of it? It, it reminds me. Uh, of Yeah. The, the beginning is really inspired by. Um, you know, hyperspace and Star Wars, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a spaceship shooting off into into hyperspace, you know, that's the speed of, of light or whatever disappearing. And then the next panel we have an astronaut seeing this happening and thinking, no, come back. Yeah. So we can see he's been left behind. Yeah. And there he is orbiting the... And, and that's kind of a popular thing to explore now with the movie Gravity, this idea of being actually stranded in space. Right. Seems. I, I missed that one. Is that Me Sandra too, Bullock? actually. I, I need to watch it. Um, it is Sandra Bullock, yeah. though. I should have watched it. I think there's, 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 there's still time. Okay. It's, I think it's, you can find it on, I'll, on I'll your local on, DVD and video. Yeah, or it'll be on TV at some point. Uh, and then after that, what do we have? We have... Uh, it's hard to describe a comic prop. Well, you have to see you know, it. I could I could take you through it. If yeah, you, if, I would. Yeah. I would love to. This was this was my favorite one. All right. So page two, we have we have the the astronaut saying, "Better to activate the distress beacon," and he's pressing buttons on his gloves there. And then he says, "Who am I kidding? This is about as remote as it gets. The people on this planet haven't developed space travel yet. I have about thirty six hours." oxygen and then and then as he's floating there with nothing to do really he kind of falls asleep yeah and then he wakes up and we see that he's closer to the planet it's closer my orbit is decaying and then he starts thinking i wanted to inspire others to dream i put myself in this ludicrous situation there was no need for me to end like this so there he is I'm feeling sorry for him all over again as yes. I'm reading this. And there he's starting to, to burn up. And then he just thinks a name, Carolyn, and then burns up in the atmosphere. And we see him. There's an observatory there watching him as he's coming in. Yeah. The end. No. What? I. That's the end. 
What about this part? This is a... Oh, you're, you've connected that right to that. No, try to do it. It's beautiful. All right, then. So, okay, on to the next one. Yeah, it does work, actually, doesn't it? It goes into that, and there he is having thoughts about life. Okay, so when I made this, I thought that was the end, but Ari's put me right, and it actually goes right into the next story. <laughs> no, I promise you it does. Is, yeah. So mm, this one's even... Every, every panel is a different picture. So the first one is kind of like... A, you know, the end of 2001, I suppose. Yeah. Going through the Stargate and, mm -hmm. and all that. And so it, it's a load of lights and they're, they're going towards a central point. Every event sprawling in front of you that scares you with the airplane, that delights you and there's the birth of a baby, every single thing you're terrified of. Oh, and there's that tombstone. And eagerly awaiting people meeting again at the airport or... Or what have you? Everything ends up in the past, and that's the planet Earth. Yeah. There you go. That that's the real. That end. was that was beautiful. I I mean it because I I recently read the comic, and so mm. I definitely got the chills when you were reading it because Ooh. it especially connecting those two. Do you see what I mean, though? I certainly do because, well, he's he's entering death, I guess, at the end of that story, and yeah. then that's kind of a contemplation on what life's been about. Yeah. So it does fit, I guess, yeah. That's very interesting that you put them together like that. Right. I didn't directly. I mean, I put them in that order in the comic because right. that's part of putting together your anthology. You, you decide which order all the stories go in. So I, ob I did think the final story should be the one with him silently falling to his death and then the end should be... Like the last story should be everything ends up in the past. I mean, yeah, it makes sense that they would be kind of yeah. different but connected comics, but somehow in my mind they were one and the same, even though mm -hmm. one is black and white and then it starts being color. Somehow well, it made sense to me. I'll, I'll begin lagging and telling everyone that was my intention, and that is page five of that story. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think you should, because okay, I, I mean, that was part of why I, I loved it so much. Okay. But how did you get the idea for it? for that story. Which one? Silently Fallen? Well, yeah. yeah. Um, right, well, that, okay, that was actually a story, certainly a part of it that I'm remembering is Silently Fallen is the name of a song that mm -hmm. uh, a musician called Chris Squire recorded that I really like. And he died last summer. And so I was sad about that and thought I would like to do a story about Silently Falling, the title, a story based on that. Yeah. So I kind of listened to the song and it made me think of, you know, it's it's quite a good, it fits the title. It's just, it sounds to me like somebody falling through, you know, eternity or whatever. So that was the, the thought I had in mind. And then I, you know, I like science fiction. So I thought this can, well, he can be in space, you know. Yeah. And I liked the, the initial impact of, just the first panel, you see the ship going. I, I like to just have draw things that you know what's happening. I think anyone can look at that and understand what's happening. Right. I read in one of your um, essays that you put at the end of the book that yeah, you yeah, really notes, yeah. you don't like comics that make it very difficult to to know what you're looking at. Now that would be a controversial viewpoint in probably. I like comics, comics that you can understand what's happening. Right. And. I think the more 
Well, not all the time. This is, yeah, I do get in trouble for saying this because people, of course, like... I mean, I'm very much for ambiguity in stories and things like that as well. But I'm not for looking at a page and going, I don't understand physically what's happening here. You know, how what did that person just pick that up or drop it or what happened to them? Or yeah. I, I like to put across the physical action in a way that you can understand it. I think it's a lot easier to be vague and incomprehensible in comics. I think it's something that I, and I would assume anybody doing comics had to learn. When, when you're doing comics as a youngster, you're very into your story and you can see it. And then you're almost drawing it, trying to keep up with the story in your head. Yeah. And you're, you're off. And then you go, oh, great. And because you know the story, you look at it and go, oh, great. And then you can sometimes look back on that and go, I have no idea what is happening on this page. Yeah. And that is, there's a big lesson there, mm-hmm. which is you, you get your excitement and then you have to translate it to somebody that knows nothing about the story in your head. Yeah. So, yeah, that's something I'm interested in. I wanted to talk about your uh, book, Berserkatron. Yes. So um, when did you publish this book? Berserkatron is uh, simultaneously my newest book and my oldest one. What do you mean? It's kind of a reprint of the first two mini comics I ever did. You ever? What about <coughs> Fred Egg? <coughs> well, Fred Egg, yes, I did when I was eight years old. Okay. And... Uh, they uh, gave the actually drew it and then gave all the original art to my friend. We used to draw comics every week and swap and just give them to each other. When you when you were a kid. When we were like eight, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I've always drew comics uh, every year as I went along. But the first time I made a concerted effort to finish a story and put a comic out was Berserkatron number one. Yeah. So um, then having done the second one, that story was finished and then I went on to do other, I mean Dump has a, an ongoing story in it which is the same character from Berserkatron later on. I, I noticed that, um, his name is Bert Ainsley. It is, yes. He has Bert. a butternut squash head, <laughs> shaved head, which I he like does. that because none of your other characters have oddly shaped heads except I, for I him. I, I made, when I designed him, I, I made a a deliberate effort to draw a character that I didn't like. Really? The look of, yeah. I and you didn't like the look of him or yeah, what? I just, I just hated looking at him. So I thought if I did that, it would get me out of everybody looking the same. Right. Because you're going to draw things that you like, usually. Yeah. So. Right. That's that's it's very interesting. A well, creator just deliberately wanting to, yeah. to hate his creation. I've had people think that Probably I look like that. Really? You know, that that I haven't met, but I've talked to them online. Hmm. And and they're always surprised when I don't look like that. Right. I mean, thank goodness I don't, you know. Yeah, he, you know, I think his mom is the real kind of (laughs) strange looking character here. Yeah, she's like a variation on him. I don't know how to describe her, her hair. No. (laughs) Well, it's got the same buoyant 
aspect, but it kind of goes out sideways, doesn't it? It feels like one of those uh, hedges that Edward Scissorhands mm-hmm. would. Yeah. I mean, I just wonder what he would do with with these people's hair. Mm-hmm. Just be incredible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Berserkatron is about a, a kids in high school. Yeah, it is, yeah. Exactly. Which a lot of your comics have to do with kids in high school or that's librarians. True, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true that I, I, I like coming of age kind of stories, you know, right. where people are finding out who they are and things. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time, isn't it? In it, anybody's life. It, it absolutely is the so, the most the yeah. most powerful yeah. and intense. I'm drawn to that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so in in this in this book, they're they're basically coming to age by participating in a sort of uh, battle bots competition. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, Bert and uh, Ronnie are probably really good friends, but they've kind of outgrown each other or went in separate ways, but they've not really admitted it to each other yet. Yeah. So that's kind of the background to it. So pretty much, Ronnie never listens to what Bert says and. I definitely and noticed that. annoyed at Ronnie all the time. And yeah. Yeah. So, and the backdrop is this, uh, well, the setting is the, the run-up to this robot wars competition. Yeah. Wherein uh, Ronnie has created a, a robot to enter into it. And, and Bert, who is really interested in chemistry and, and creating things and inventing things, has made invulnerable that you can put on it and it will be invulnerable. But it doesn't even work. Well, I couldn't I couldn't possibly agree with that. Or or Well may, yeah, may, well maybe, I'll leave it up. It, it's, maybe it's it a, doesn't. It's maybe it doesn't. It's it's definitely um up to interpretation. Yeah. But yeah. It is. I've left it up to interpretation. Well it, do, it it's remember, certainly not um Because remember it makes the robot invulnerable to Everything except fire. That's true, right? So you kind of have to interpret this in a different way. <laughs> but I, I was um, quite taken in by the the cover art that you did. This mm. cover art, right? Yeah. And it just has these um, amazing humanoid robots all over it that mm. are punching each other in the face or yes. um, shooting lasers out of their eyes. That's right. Um, One of them is a cash machine, an ATM. <laughs> that that's. That's true. Um, and then there's even this sort of demonoid figure right mm, here. Yeah. Who I did not see in this comic. I didn't see many of these. I don't know these. that any of them are in the comic. I don't uh, think so. No. I mean, Berserkatron's in the comic, and he's on the cover, but he's on the very back, and he is just leaving the scene. Right. Uh, uh, down at the bottom there. He's off. Yeah, he can't handle this. <laughs> so he's the only robot that's in the comic, I think. Yeah, and in and, and your comics covers have a, a tendency of not featuring what's mm-hmm. actually in the comics. But you wouldn't call that false advertising. Well, well, no. I mean, z- something called Zero Sum Bubblegum. I mean, kind of false advertising is that. What, what right. is it? There's no bubblegum in it, certainly. <laughs> but I must say that the cover of Dump with the uh, monster truck, that mm-hmm. is in the story. Where? It's actually right at the beginning of Dump. Huh. It's um, which is, you you see them. At the they're at the incinerator. Right. And yeah. he says, "Yes, I'm gonna throw this in next." And he and he's got a baby Gemma, realistic, real tears. 
and that, that's and a that's a, a baby doll yeah and and Bert uh, no no sorry Ronnie has just thrown something in and he's thrown the box away and it's monster truck box aha so this I is actually see. a picture of the toy he's just thrown into the incinerator sort of a Citizen Kane moment yeah. there um, so I'm glad you brought that up because uh, your two beloved characters from uh, Berserkatron make a reappearance uh, well one of them does Ronnie isn't in them he is there in spirit though Oh, do you know what? He actually does make a cameo appearance. Yeah. He, he, he's, he is there on one page. Really? Uh, yeah, he is. Okay, you like to hide a lot of stuff in the comics then. Yeah, well, it's it's there. Uh, hopefully you don't need to see any of it to enjoy yeah. that. You know. No, definitely not. I, I, I enjoyed these comics. They're, they're quite surreal and, and quite quite random in, mm. in many ways. In, in a good way, but... Okay, yeah. Random. But how would how would you describe describe your comics the genre wise? Uh, oh. uh, usually, I just say that they're, they're like a one man anthology. Yeah. But then that's not true because some I have like a little artists alley section in each one, and yeah. different artists draw stories that I've written, like one page things, two page maybe. Right, and you but write those stories and yeah. they illustrate it, right? That's right. So it's all written by me, and then. There'll maybe be eight, ten pages or so in each book. And I right. like to do big books. I try to do one a year. So they've usually got like, you know, 60, 70, 80 pages in them. Ah, wow. Collected. And are you working on one right now? Yeah. Yeah, under the table here. I'm just drawn away. What is it? Oh. Uh, are, are you are you yeah. allowed to talk about this right now? Uh, yeah, I'm... I'm I am allowed to. It's just remembering where I'm at at any given point because right. you've always just sent something away to some editor somewhere, or right. you've just had an idea and you've scribbled that down, or or you know something's just been rejected, or something's just been printed, or something's just been, ex or you've just seen a new opportunity to. So I'm always all over the place. Yeah. And uh, this very day, I'm working on a, I'm working on a comic that's, for the the comics course at the university really so it's part of the assignment okay so and what what is it called i won't give that away okay all right I'll that's your right I, i'll wait till i get my marks okay oh it's being graded it's being graded yeah. <gasps> are you used to your comics being graded they're always graded by everyone that ever looks at them <laughs> it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down <laughs> do you get a lot of that feedback you get some feedback and how how is that as as a you know prolific comic creator mm -hmm. you must get a lot of feedback from people and well, how do you respond to that it's, it's fine i mean you're you're grateful for any positive feedback and, and any negative feedback people have usually got a point you know that it's fine you can't really you can't let feedback dictate you carrying on or not mm -hmm. so it's kind of a, you know irrelevant to yeah. actually getting on with the, the job uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. So, you know, if someone, if you had decided you'd read my comics and they're going to tell me that they were all terrible, I would sit and go, okay, yeah, I see what you mean, yeah, thanks, and then go home and carry on with what I'm doing, you know. Yeah. There's no so there's never been a moment that you've been very disheartened and sure, thought maybe yeah, comics isn't, yeah. isn't for you? Well, no, because I'm not, I'm not sitting waiting to be discovered <laughs> or, or or praised or or anything really 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really somebody that is an aspiring comics creator. I'm kind of sitting at home making comics and putting them out, so I'm kind of a comics creator. Yeah. And it's like if no one ever reads them, well, fine, I'll just do another one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of, that's where I'm at. Right. Well, I, I certainly hope you continue making them. They're very they're very enjoyable, but I do think that they some people might not might not understand understand many of the comics. Okay. Yeah. Did you not understand? I mean, there there were them? there were a few maybe the the that had a, maybe a gag at the end that I, I was okay. like. I'm, I'm I'm happy to answer any questions. That oh, come. okay. Maybe I I will pick your brain. Um, I I bookmarked a few here. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Well, you have a few horror comics in here, it seems. Okay, yeah. Do that, um... One comes to mind, yeah. Is, is it this one, Things to Do at 3 o'clock in the morning? Yes. Now, that was done as part of Treehouse comics that I mentioned. Right. The, uh, they had Usually, Treehouse is pretty much open to do whatever you want. Right. Send it in and then make the book. But the one time... Um, they decided let's have a theme and it was scary comics for a Halloween special yeah. and so I I sat and tried to do a scary story and, and horror is kind of difficult to do in a comic I think because well in movies all that it's creepy isn't it and you're waiting on it coming out at you and, and then it does and it's louder than you expected and yeah. whereas in a comic there's no noise and so you kind of have to rely on on the kind of turning of the page because you know yes. I've always I've always found that about comics that you can look at a page and sort of start almost anywhere on it that your eye wants to. Oh, mm-hmm. So, but here we sort of have the reveal that um, a boy is looking through binoculars and he's he's watching somebody, yeah. and you turn the page and uh, he's looking right back at him. That's right. And I, I found that quite effective. Did that get you? I, I it, it actually did. Because I, I, per, I personally don't read a huge amount of comics. I, I did take a science fiction comics course at the uh-huh. university, but um, I, I'm just getting into this medium. So, mm. yeah, I, it's pretty new for me. But, yeah, it, it worked on me. But then at the end, of course, they sort of... Well, I'm glad to hear it got you because that was my intention. I thought, you know, if I'm going to do a scary story, I'll try and actually scare somebody yeah now, how on earth am i going to do that in a comic where you see everything coming and as you just said i thought well it's going to have to be that page turn right you're going to have to turn that page and then it's gonna the image is going to grab you before you've quite understood what it is yeah exactly. so that's why the character looking back is really kind of dark so you've almost kind of got to go what's that and look at it yeah and then he's looking at you and it's uh throws you yeah yeah, it, t- it taps on d- into something, I, I think. Mm. And, um, and I remember I had to be quite specific when I sent that in to the, the editor, uh, yeah. Neil at Treehouse. I said, look, this is really picky, but I need it to be... I, ha- I couldn't have the page three and four facing both there. Oh, I needed that page turn, so I had to say, look, it needs to do go this way to work. And, yeah, that's something that's very unique to comics then, because I it doubt is, yeah. it matters what... what what word is on what side of the page Absolutely, yeah the format's um, important to it yeah yeah that, that that's so interesting it's great to learn about the sort of um medium because you do look at the whole thing and then you maybe zoom into it to one panel yeah um so yeah I, I i enjoyed that one talking about 
horror and sort of, um, you know, fantastic elements, maybe. You have a book with death in the title. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. You, you remember this well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like you really enjoy, you enjoy kind of, and it all comes back to you, the process. The mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, as I said, I, I put together one book a, a year. Really. Yeah. So a lot of these, I might have done them a year ago, a year and a half ago. Yeah. You know, so I, I do need to be reminded. I certainly, yeah, a book with death in the title. Remember that one. So you were a librarian. Yeah. For a while, as well as you were a younger kid so so a lot of this is based on personal experiences everything's based on personal experience isn't it so but was this one was did this kind of encounter this is about a book that that very basically kills people who check it out Mm -hmm. so um the genesis of that one was uh, in libraries the the most popular genre is crime fiction yeah. You know, so by quite a wide margin, I would say. And so there are endless variations on the title, you know, on books with death in the title. Yeah. So you'll get, you know, dead dead like this, and you're dead. And you know, every week there's another six of them come in that are all dead, dead. And yeah. I used to laugh, and every, every week I was like, let's see what this week's dead books are, you know. And so that just, uh, that was the starting point for that one. So right. a, a book with death in the title. Um, and there's one bit in the comic where somebody says, have you seen a book with death in the title? And the other person there says, take your pick, there's a million of them. And that's yeah. kind of the, that's where that initial thought comes uh-huh. into the um, But otherwise there was the idea of, yeah, somebody takes out a book, and then somebody, and then say their child hands it in for them, and why? Yeah. Well, because they they died, you know. So, so you encountered this sort of thing. That thing, that kind of thing does happen, you know, in libraries. Yeah, books yeah. get brought back home by bereaved relatives, you know. Yeah. It's a shame, and then, and then it happens again, and it's the same book, you know. Oh my so goodness. So it's coincidence, you know. Yeah. Mm. And then it happens again, and the guy's noticing this and thinking, what's going on here? With yeah, this exactly. And so I, I yeah, yeah I, I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, and, and also, there's he has a bit of a nemesis, you know, anybody that's worked in customer service, people come in and ruin their day. Well, there are a lot of n- nemeses. Yeah, so <laughs> there's a guy that comes in, and, and then he demands he's taking this book out. So he goes, yeah, yeah, you take that book out. So he pretty much becomes a, a murderer. Kind of. Well, he's kind of thinking, well, no, an that's ridiculous, murderer. isn't it? Because, you know, books can't kill people. Right. So it, that's just stupid. Yeah, so just take it, you know, and then he's probably in the back of his mind wondering, you know. Yeah. And then, of course, the nemesis, well, he's away as well. Right. So are, during your experience as a librarian, were you constantly sort of filing these experiences away for, for later life, comics? You know, you just go about life. Yeah. You know, just think, I could maybe use this for something. Do you think that anyone can do a comic if if they if they want? And I know you sometimes well, teach anybody it. Anybody could do anything, you know. Could I make could I make a comic? Yeah, I think you should. I think I should too. Yeah, 
I, I'm kind of interested because, of course, when, when you're yeah. a kid, I think almost everyone, when they're a kid, makes some sort of comic, right? Oh, I know I certainly did, yeah. I, I think I did too. Or Great, yeah. And it's a good thing to do. And uh, whatever comic you make will be your comic. Nobody yeah. else made it. So go for it. You know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get it in your yeah. next anthology. Excellent. All right. Well, I've made this promise on air now, so there's no backing down. You, you, you could, you'll do a science fiction thing. Yeah, I will. Imagine, yeah. I will. Yeah, because th- there, there is quite a, quite a bit of science fiction in this, but, but I think there, there needs to be a little more. Is there a particular science fiction idea that is immediately coming to you that you'd like to... You know, I don't, I don't, yeah, create as much um, fiction as I would like, but I have, I have a lot of ideas. But you're always thinking about science I, fiction ideas. I you? am. You know, maybe everyone who studies some, something yeah. secretly wants to do it themselves or, um, or thinks about how they can do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you've always, uh, yeah, you've always got to. You know, I, yeah, I had, I had a, I had an idea recently that okay. I, I think um, needs to be, be visual. Mm. But I'm I'm te- terrified of of drawing it myself. Right. But maybe I should I, I should give it a go. You should just draw it, yeah. Do Do you mind if I tell you? I, I'd like you to. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to tell this idea. Okay. Um, you are among the first, if not the first, to hear this I'm one. Honored. Okay, here goes. So I, I, it, it was first a dream. I know mm-hmm. you can really rise. A lot of things are first dreams. But I I had this dream that um that I sort of was coming back to Earth after being away <laughs> for okay. a while it's quite quite yeah. a normal experience mm-hmm. but but in my absence in my absence earth had changed and it was obvious when i was looking at it from far away that um, a ring had been constructed around earth which which is a common science fictional idea such as you know ring ring world there there are some science or at least like a body I think. Of, of something or no there was an um, ring like a, a ring that was orbiting around yeah, earth okay. yeah. um and and there was sort of a crane that was coming out from it, mm. and it was connecting it to the moon that also had a ring around it. So a- almost it was making it so people could could travel. That's a great image. It was incredible. I am I am telling Come you. On, you're on a winner already. I, I woke and, and I felt horrified in, I don't in even my. I not care what the story is. That opening <laughs> panel with the Earth, the ring going to the moon. It's, it's connected ring. to well, it, yeah. yeah and, and I just remember being horrified that this was happening right. like this is such yeah. a mistake I, I didn't understand how the ring was working I didn't understand how how it wouldn't break apart and there was going to mm. be havoc or we were messing with them um, yeah. with with things that were too large for humanity it's almost like humanity had decided that um you know we're big enough to sort of manipul- mm. manipulate the solar system bring so it under our command felt it, was, it was humanity that had created or made this device I you know I I did I yeah. did feel that yeah. way, and I got yeah. closer to inspect the ring, and, mm. um, but but yeah, you know, I was thinking about that the next day, and sort of like I don't know that I've read, and if if, if anyone listening does know a story about this, please let me know because I'm about to do a comic <laughs> about this for David Robertson's next anthology. Was, was that the but, um, was that the extent of the dream? Did anything else? Happen? You know, there there's a lot of other things that happened, but sort of dream stuff that that nobody wants to hear. Okay. <laughs> but maybe I'll tell you about it later. All right, yeah. <laughs> um, That's what yeah. But, but you know, I was thinking about um, you know going to a solar system and, and seeing sort of maybe this the race had died, but but these the civilization had constructed these massive construction projects that spanned the galaxy, 
pretty much making an infrastructure between planets. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was the most incredible image and so large scale, so huge. So, yeah, what do you think? Think something could come of I that? Don't, I don't, yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess if it was me, I would start thinking, what, what does this machine do? Mm. What, why, why is it there? Right. And then you could think things like, well, I think Does it was a it, it was a kind of space space elevator, which is an idea that's been around in science elevator. fiction for a while. That mm. instead of um, continually having to blast yeah. into space, and you know, which yeah. uses a lot of so you go through that to get to the moon. Wasteful energy, exactly. Yeah, so this is this is this has precedence, definitely, mm. where <coughs> people want to build space elevators in, in varying degrees. But yeah. I thought, why not just connect the Earth and the Moon permanently? And, and, you know, ha have it orbit. So neither of these structures are actually connected to um, the planets. But but I would have to look through the physics of this. The, the other but thing yes. that, that interests me in that story is you were horrified by this. I was. And then why were you horrified? And then think about that. I guess I guess that's that's where, I, yeah, the best science the fiction always explores the kind aspect. of the human aspect of it. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll work on this, and because thank you for emboldening me. As somebody that did not have your dream, and mm -hmm. it's not in your story, it's yeah. in your head, I might be thinking, well, what's the problem? Because space elevator's cool. Yeah. And that might be the story. So you start telling me why it's not cool, and why you're right. horrified. Yeah, it and, and, and that's always the most interesting part of the story, because mm. uh, I don't know if you are familiar with them. Um, Kim Stanley Robinson's Red Mars. It's it's a story about the colonization and terraforming of Mars. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make it into kind of an Earth-like environment. Yeah. Um, and, and this is a really incredible incredible story. You, I mean, you could see how this could result from maybe maybe a dream he's had. that. Mm -hmm. But what makes it so interesting is not just the fact that he's writing about the colonization of Mars. It's the fact that there are... Um, are, are such horrifying and terrifying feelings regarding this. And some people, once they get to mm -hmm. Mars, they want to protect the, the landscape. And, and the idea of sort of, because they're, they're going to pelt this this planet with, ex with bombs and radiation to get it to, to develop an atmosphere. And to some, they sort of, it's, sick, it's sickening to them. And that is the most interesting parts of, of a story. And, and I think you do touch on those sort of emotions. So um, is, it, is it kind of here. environmental... It, it is yes yeah. absolutely or, or trying mm -hmm. to c protect the sort of natural environment of yeah. mars mm -hmm. um and you know that, that's always the reason i think humans should go to mars you know right away i'm sort of uh, right. a big fan of that yeah, idea let's go to mars, yeah. but that's because I, I i don't think that there is a natural environment for us to ruin i think we need sort of a planet that we we're not going to feel guilty it's already ruined so guilty about i mean <laughs> Think about it. I, we need to be somewhere where, um, where yeah, we, we, we don't have other animals to. Do you know, it's funny the way that you feel guilty about every single thing that you do, from carrier bags to anything, being in your car or yeah. That. And when you were a kid, you didn't. Right. You weren't aware of that so much. You know, everything yeah. everything ends up destroying the world, doesn't it? I mean. It's true. So that's why I really think humanity should go yeah, somewhere. Yeah, let's go to Mars. I've talked myself I, into yes, it. Yes, yeah. I, I really agree with that. Get on with that space elevator.
Well, thanks for having me. Yes, it was very enjoyable having you on. I'm, I'm so happy to have a co-host this evening yeah. um, instead of just talking to myself like normal. But thank you for um, bringing me into the, the mind of, of a comics creator and sort of illuminating that dark mystery for me. I guess um, I should say, I am the worst salesman in the world, but if anyone's interested in anything, Please. Google Fred Egg Comics. Fred Egg Comics. Um, yeah, you can, you you can follow website. follow you on on Twitter. I, I yes, presume. Yes, at Fred Egg Comics. That's all going on. Yeah, yeah, you can you can purchase these. They're they're reasonably priced. They're very interesting. Whether you're a comics fan or not into comics so much, um, these will definitely challenge you to to think differently. So you should definitely check those out. And any any final thoughts before we close out here? Just keep up the good work, Ari. Uh, well, thank you, David. All right, so um, I'm Ari Brin, and uh, you've been listening to uh, myself and David Robertson, and I will see you next time on Nova. Mm-hmm.